I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter on Hip Hop by the Numbers on Twitter. I use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. Damn, where's Isaiah? Mm. I'm director of the Fifth Element. <laughs> Fifth Hip Hop, which is knowledge. He's digging in digits, baby, bad boy. very judicious with my Isaiah usage and you're not going to know when it's coming and it's just going to hit you out of the blue and yeah yeah let's let's, let's just let's just make sure I get my fucking outro up first you know let's just get this is let's make sure like you know I get my outro out and then do it yeah maybe I don't I, I like a surprise more than the next guy right but you know let me fucking finish some Kanye shit that was last week. Last week was Kanye shit that was. I'm gonna let you finish, but this is hit by by another. Uh, I'm gonna let you finish, but I'm really famous, (laughs) so (laughs) just relax for a second, take a back seat, Uh, and then you can continue. Yeah. Uh, Hi Ben, how's Hollywood been, and what have you been to this week? You know, man, we're in lockdown right now, like hard, super hard lockdowns. We got curfew. Uh, we can only go five kilometers from my house. We're only allowed out for an hour a day. So uh, how they enforce that? You got ankle bracelet? What? Nah, they got the they got the defense force. They got the army in out because we're in one of the bad areas. So the army like roams the streets, uh, making sure and checking compliance, Sheesh. knocking on people's houses to make sure they're staying at home. It's it's very intense. I mean, I'm all for it because COVID's out of control here, but. It is pretty boring, I'm not going to lie. Like, there's not much to do. I just stay in my room all day. Which means I got an opportunity to listen to quite a lot of music. So, Solar Power hey, by hey, Lord. Hey. Now, um, I listened to this yesterday, and I read the Slate review uh, this morning. And it says, "This is," and I think this really summed it up for me. It said, These ambiguities have led to puzzled looks from early listeners over whether Solar Power is satirical, basic, corny, or even just cringe. Now... Some have said that Lord is juxtaposing stereotypical performative action with authentic change. Some I've seen have said that the lyrics are a parody or even a caricature of our own existence, maybe like a self-aware wink at the audience. And there's little doubt to me that her her energy has been doused on this record, but it's really hard to imagine Lord regressing lyrically to this degree. If it's all part of an overarching message, I feel like it has to be more overt because satire is always welcome. But even though Lord is well known by the listening public, we don't know her personally. You know, it's hard to know what her motivations and intentions are without her actually expressing them. So if the album is partly poking fun, that's great, but uh, it's hard to know. So you're listening to the album and it's kind of these snappy one-liners and a lot of them don't hit. A lot of them do, but... It's just, yeah, it's just a different kind of feel, man. And it just didn't connect with me. And, you know, I've watched interviews with Laura. She's incredibly intelligent and aware. So I assume there's intent behind this. I'm just curious to know what that intent is. Uh, And until then, I I kind of reserve judgment on the album because, yeah, it it just didn't hit for me on the first couple of listens. Alice Skye, I feel better, but I don't feel good. This hit. 
this this album was really stark listening back to back with the lord record so alice sky is an australian alternative artist she blew up in 2018 she just dropped her second lp the lyrics are poignant they're frank her observations are laced with emotion and deep self-awareness i really like artists who can break down complex topics into simple quotable words on the opening track stay in bed she says doctors say eliminate stress cut your screen time eat some fruit and go on bike rides but what if you're too tired to move and feel like you need to impress and prove to everyone you're not as fucked up as you are? I can't say it any better than that. Like, that's indicative of the whole album. She just gets straight to the point. It's a great project. Uh, Sue Surf, until further notice. Sue Surf just ridiculously consistent. His music really sits comfortably in the new signature sound coming out of New York and New Jersey, which is, you know, something that young MAs incredibly adept at maybe even pioneering if we go back to i think 2014 when she blew up i can't remember what exact year but that this melodic cadence which is matched with a slightly off-kilter delivery and brutal but emotional lyrics uh you're just going to get that from sue Surf, front to back good project dvsn ty dollar sign uh division however you want to say it cheers to the best memories this suffers the same issues I always have with uh, Division. It's pretty dull. You know, Ty carries the album with his unique energy and his inflection. I just want something from Division other than what's been done a trillion times. You know, on Fight Club, uh, he sings, Daniel Daly sings, because if you had a twin, I would still choose you, girl. Like, I don't even know what that means. Like, why would a girl having a twin... <laughs> make either of them less desirable or someone less likely to choose either of them? What relevance does that have? I, you know, and that's indicative <laughs> of the, the, what What does that mean? And Ty Dolla Sign on the same song, right? He says, we ain't got to fight about it. As soon as you put that mouth on me, girl, I forget about it. It's just like, it's it's night and day. It's relatable. It's an astute observation from Ty Dolla Sign. Not if you had a twin, I would still choose you. Like, if they're identical, oh, I don't know. It's, it's confusing me. I just so I, I didn't really. It's okay. It's not a bad project, but you know I, I need something a little bit different from Division at some point. Uh, Soulfly Deluxe by Rod Wave. Uh, people say that Rod Wave just makes the same song over and over, and if so, it's a fucking good song. I'm I'm happy for him to continue doing that. You know his emotion is palpable. He lifted. Uh, Jay Z song cry bars for the opening song 2019. It is so good. It is so good. It adds a whole other dimension to the words. Very impressive uh, deluxe record. Really enjoyed it. Uh, and finally, Drug Opera by China. China's tragic passing in 2020 at the age of 25 was really awful. And I think this album solidifies that awfulness, you know, that sadness, by showing how talented and unique she was. Her exploration into industrial hip hop and noise rap, like she mixes it with slightly more mainstream sounds, and the fusion is really impressive and invigoratingly different. Uh, Way Up is a great example. It starts off really slow and mournful, then breaks down like a car running out of fuel before it explodes back into life and into this really catchy melody. And that's the nature of the album. It, it kind of holds you in the palm of its hand and drags you into the shadows, and then it reveals these new vistas. It's it's great i really really enjoy i've never listened to her before before this record and i really enjoyed it so highly recommend that and rest in peace so that was me charlie what about yourself yeah i had a really uh good steady diet this week uh real real nice um variety uh started off with uh brandy younger uh somewhere different 
uh, noted uh, jazz musician, uh, proficient on the harp. You always hear that going through uh, her work. And uh, yeah, it's no different on this uh, particular album. Uh, I will say it was more, you know, led by, I think, uh, uh, you know, more drum led, I'd say, uh, majority of the time. But it has like the harp coming through now and again, you know, just on a consistent basis, obviously. But just just not as a not as a front and center as it has been in her previous work for me. Um, there's <laughs> there's a couple of tracks that give off like uh, LG ringtone vibes, and it's a bit jarring. <laughs> but uh, past that. Uh, you have a uh, a great uh, feature from a uh, Tariona Tank uh, Ball, obviously of uh, Tank and the Bangers, uh, if, if I can only assume. Uh, she 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 produces a nice uh, a nice uh, addition uh, to the song Pretend, especially. Um, but yeah, apart from that, you know, Beautiful is Black is a great track. Love and Struggle. Uh, spirit you will, uh, affirmation pretend, uh, and uh, also tickle pink at the end I like as well. So uh, yeah, it's just really nice breezy jazz. Uh, really something you could slap in the background. Nice harps coming in now and again, but mainly it's like and and really good just like uh, drums and bass coming through as well. There's some just great elements here, and uh, it's definitely uh, worth a listen. Uh, Mickey Fax Blue and Knots the narrative EP. Uh, love me some blue as always. Knots is a great, really underrated producer. Actually, I, I never, th- I never actually uh, hear about. I, I never, I really hear Knots being talked about as a, talked about as a really top tier producer. And he always puts down some really good stuff. So, and Mickey Fax is decent as well as a, as a uh, on his side. Um, but yeah, man, it's a solid EP, twenty minutes. Uh, great features all around. Uh, oh, Tank is on here as well again. <laughs> I didn't even clock. She, I just said you saw her there. She's uh, she's on there again on Freedom. Uh, Imano Mari, uh, Asha Roth on Rain. Okay, uh, so I haven't heard of Asha Roth in years, but there you go. Uh, Fashion, Oswin Benjamin on one track. Sayadi uh, Ari the Kid on the last track as well. Um, so yeah, man, it's a, it's a solid EP. Uh, everyone puts in good work. Uh, really good, really good performances. Only twenty minutes. Definitely worth a listen. Uh, Dame Dollar, different on levels. The Lord allowed. Um, yeah, I love I like me some Dame Dollar. Uh, love him more as a basketball player. Uh, one of my favorite basketball players in in the game right now. But uh, yeah, man, the bars are there still. The bars are there still. I would say I feel like because this is um as as just a minor criticism. Uh, I think this is like his third album, fourth album, fourth album. Um. You got, you got to switch up these beats, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like these beats are just very simple a lot of the time, and I just, I don't know, I feel like he needs like a, you know, a hit boy to his Nas kind of thing, you know what I mean? Just fi- just have somebody just produce for you, you know what I mean? And you both lock yourself up in a basement or something and just like, you know, put out some stuff. Because, uh, yeah, just the beats just come off very basic to me and very simple. Um... You know, not to say they aren't bad, they're fine, but they're just serviceable. They're literally just serviceable. They d- they literally do their job, and I feel like, you know, if, it's, you know, if you're going to up- keep upgrading on this front, you know what I mean? And uh, there's, there's a lot of features on here, Blast, Lil Wayne, 
uh, Tree Thomas Drebo Q-Tip on Q-tip. Meditate, which is great. He, um, he that slayed was, that, was that verse, man. He slayed yeah, that, that verse. Good. That was good. Uh, Snoop Dogg on Kobe, Raphael Sadiq on Goat Spirit. You know, there's some good features here, but I just feel like the production was a bit of a letdown uh, compared uh, compared to the rest of it. Um, Dame is, uh, Dame on bars uh, bars wise is you know top tier. I really rate his bars. Uh, he just puts out some really good stuff uh, every for every track. There's a lot of good quotables there. Um, but yeah, I just feel like you know if you're gonna keep if you're gonna keep going, like just you know find find some more i don't know explore a bit with the production i feel like he can uh there, there's some more he there's there's more he can do with it um if he if he finds the right people but anyway uh shabo uh queen of the south um this is the first time i've listened to shabo uh i think fully um i've heard a few tracks here and there i've heard some uh, features and etc here and here and there but uh, yeah man she's really uh her demeanor on on wax is uh, just really uh, forward, really, really front and center, really powerful, uh, and I'm here for it. Um, you know, there's a good mix of uh, drill beats, trappy beats, Afro beats. Uh, there's a great mix here, and it goes very well uh, from song to song. Uh, you got Dream Doll, Georgia Smith, uh, Highly. Do you say Highly? Yes, I think I say Highly. And also Wale on No Worries, which is quite interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, it's a solid album. I can't complain. Uh, well, mixtape, I think technically. So uh, you know, Ooh, get uh, that right. but um, yeah, get that right. She said it on the on the on one of the tracks. So I was like, okay, fair enough. Um, but yeah, man, it's a it's a solid project. I can't complain. Um, she, I, I really, I, the one thing that just really comes across for me is just her real, uh, just assertiveness on wax. Uh, she really just doesn't fuck about. Um, she says what she wants to say, and it's very, uh, yeah, man. You you can't mistake <laughs> you can't mistake what she's saying. You know, what I mean, you can't just. Uh, it's very straightforward. You can't. Uh, you know, look into it and go, oh, what does she mean here? It's like, I don't like broke boys kind of shit. You know what I mean? It's just so, it's so upfront. I love it. Um, so I'm here for that. And uh, yeah, man, so just some really, really good performance all around. Love, uh, give me, give me some, give me more of that Shabo. Uh, Sons of Kemet, uh, Black to the Future. So this dropped in May. Um, I didn't even clock it until recently. Um, but yeah, there's some good stuff on here. Uh, I like me some Sons of Kemet. Uh, it's bookend. The whole thing is bookended uh, by two kind of like spoken word kind of things uh, by Joshua Idehin. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm most likely butchering that. Apologies, but yeah, um, you know, uh, Shabaka Hutchins, uh, lead um, composer. Love me some Shabaka. Uh, loved his uh, work uh, with the Ancestors last year. And uh, yeah, man, it's just more of that kind of vibe, more of that, you know, really pro-black, really uh, Afrofuturism thing going on here. Uh, got Koji Radical and DWE on a couple of features here for Hustle and for the Culture. That was a really nice, uh, that was a really nice uh, thing to have in the middle of the album, just to, you know, break break things up a little bit, have Koji Radical come in there, have D-Double come in there, you know what I mean? Ooh, ooh, you know what I mean? Just have, have some of that in there. He didn't do that on the track, but uh, yeah, you know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, past that, uh, after the DWE feature, the album really just gets into it and uh, really just like just takes you somewhere different. And it's, uh, it gets a bit crazy. Uh, envision yourself levitating is a fucking trip. Um, but yeah, man, solid album. Uh, always let me some sons to commit. Shout out to them. Uh, B-Wise, uh, Jamie... 
Um, so this is a uh, Australian artist, hey. straight from Southwest Sydney. Jesus, um, Southwest Sydney. <laughs> yeah. You must be fucking good, <laughs> eh? I, uh, are you thirsty? How we hingy? Okay, very. It's very nosy. It's very oh, nasally. Yeah. I like it. Very nice. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. So yeah, um, B minds on Jamie is really nice. Um, yeah, man, this is a solid album. Can't complain. Uh, some good features on here. Sample the Great on the last track. Koji Radical again on Think Twice. Um, I haven't heard the rest of them, but uh, they do do good stuff. Uh, um, there's some, uh, uh, there's there's a couple of um features, uh, not features. There's a couple of hooks here and there that kind of put me off. Uh, Summer Freaks was just a bit of a mm, okay. Let's just yeah, all right, keep it moving. Um, but you know, on my soul was great. Um, I think twice again with Coach Radicals great. Uh, Azina with uh, Sample the Great Milan Ring at the end's great. Uh, but yeah, man, there's some good stuff on here. Uh, very personal, uh, very introspective, uh, but also has a bit of flexy, flexy nature to it. So yeah, shout out to B Wise on that front. Uh, <laughs> Sample the Great shout out, and I was just like, all right, fine, let's get it. And uh, how many have I got left? Uh, I have one more, and that is Cleo Soul's mother. Um, yeah, man, Cleo Soul, man, Jesus Christ. So this album's freaky to me. Um, not not in ter- not in terms of just like what it is, um, because simply put, this is just a beautiful album uh, constructed from start to finish, produced by Inflow. And to be honest, guys, if you name any producer as producer of the year, I'm just going to tell you, you don't, you're not listening to Inflow and it's, and it shows. Um, because if you listen to shit in the past year, uh, from this to the, uh, Salt album, spelled Summer Salt, not, not, not the shit that white people think is seasoning. Um, and also obviously the Little Sims project, which is (laughs) <laughs> gonna be a banger, right? Um, yeah, it's 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 no contest for me anymore. Who who is producer of the year? And I really care about that kind of thing. But honestly, Inflow is just going the fuck off recently. Um, hasn't missed since. Um, and yeah, Cleo Soul just comes in on this Inflow production. A couple of tracks that are very gospely. Build me up. It gets very gospely. Um, I think uh, we need you as well. It gets a bit gospely. No, you are loved. Um, but her, but the the production is so layered, but also just you know simplified. You you can hear everything very clearly. It's clearly layered, and it gives her just the room to just do what she wants with it. Um, and uh, yeah, man, some of these tracks are like eight, seven, eight minutes, but they just go through like a fucking dream. Like build me up, just d- didn't even feel like eight minutes. <laughs> I was just like checking the phone. I was like. That was eight minutes. I didn't feel like it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's crazy how the time, how time just went by on this album. An hour and six minutes, but it didn't feel like that to me. It just, it was a very ethereal experience listening to it, and uh, I'm completely here for that. Definitely on the longest album of the year for me. Um, I just love the free, frozen time nature that it really just te- uh, gives you. Like if if you allow it to do that for you. You'll just you an hour and six minutes. That hour and six minutes will just go by like it's nothing. It'll just it'll it'll, it'll just be gone. Um, so shout out to Cleo Soul, wonderful voice, one of the best voices, uh, one of the best features in the game right now in, for me personally. And this album is no different. Um, it's just some great stuff. I I actually <laughs> was expecting uh, not to rate it that high, uh, considering the time uh, time uh, the runtime. But man, it just it blew by. It blew by like a dream. So I'm here for it. And with that said, uh, we shall hop into our part one 
we were not expecting to do two part of this one. Yeah. But, uh, no, this came yeah, out but, as <laughs> and yeah, but uh, Ben will explain that in due time. Uh, but yeah, this is part one of our uh, label retrospective on Bad Boy. Can't stop, won't stop. Uh, you know, and um, yeah, uh, obviously we did Def Jam a while back, and that was a real fun episode to do. Uh, really enjoyed that. Uh, just you know, just uh, just breaking down like how Def Jam just got to be Def Jam, so iconic, and then. Like now, it's, yeah, it's it's there, it exists, but it's like every other label kind of, and it's just, you know, it's just yeah, it's just you know, if it didn't have Def Jam in the name, like we wouldn't be talking about it. Let's be real. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about Bad Boy, which still technically exists <laughs> in some fashion. Uh, wouldn't know it, but yeah, it still exists, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and yeah, we're gonna just uh, I mean, well, well, Ben. Wait, wait, how are we gonna how are we gonna tackle this one? How, how are we gonna do this? Lay lay it lay it out for us. <laughs> well, okay. So Diddy once told director Daniel Kaufman that Bad Boy is like the story of the century, and he said if we were going to tell the history of Bad Boy, it would have to be a miniseries. And I agree. So in lieu of the time and energy to create that miniseries, I'm sure over the next two years we could get it done with episodes here and there. I'm gonna focus solely on the artists. Because it's not necessarily an untold story, but I think it's one that's yet to be properly collated. So why do so many former artists drag Bad Boy normally via direct attacks on Puff Daddy, Diddy? Why is there such an awful sentiment around a record label that is steeped in legacy? And why does that matter? Because label disputes are common, but the sheer volume of Bad Boy's discontented former stars is genuinely class-leading. I don't think there's a record label in hip-hop history that's generated as much ire as Bad Boy has. And I don't believe it had to be that way. You know, when Diddy was let go from Uptown in 1993 and fractured off to create Bad Boy, he struck instant success. Like, Flavor in Your Ear is the very first song released on Bad Boy. Then we get Ready to Die in 1994, Faith Evans as Faith in 95, Total 112, and then in 97, the only three records they released in 97, Notorious Big, Life After Death, Puff Daddy and the Family, No Way Out, Mace, Harlem World, that's all they dropped. That was 22 million record sales in the US Straight alone. Straight three-peat, that one. Bro, mm-hmm. wild. Maybe no labels ever had a three-peat like that before. Five Hot 100 number ones in one year, seven top tens. And by then, issues had already arisen. You know, it was like three years after the label had formed, four years. And it started from the jump. And I started this episode, and what I wanted to do was, uh, I'm going in uh, terms of chronologically uh, for for when they they released the album. So, you know, uh, Craig Mack will come first and Tori's Big. And when I got to, where did I get up to? I don't even know where I got up to here. I got to G-Dep and I I realized this has to be two-part. It's not possible. And most of these are direct quotes anyway. Like I can't, there's so much, there's so much history between Diddy and his artists. It's, it's crazy. So I'm going to start, we're going to go by artist and I'm going to start with Craig Mack. And what I want to do with this episode, not this particular episode, what I want to do, do with this, uh, this mini series or whatever you want to call it, um, a narrative will emerge. A narrative will emerge from these uh, from these artists. And at the end, I want to tie it all up because I don't think the narrative has been properly told. I think a lot of people just say, 
you know, Diddy doesn't care about his artists, Diddy doesn't respect his artists, blah, blah, blah. But a narrative is already starting to emerge, and I'm only halfway through. And by the end of it, I'm sure there will be a, a very cohesive and un, like you, you'll understand the difference between certain artists and why Diddy acts a certain way. And there's some very salient words in here from some some artists about it. Uh, so Carl Thomas especially. So let's get into it. I want to start with Craig Mack. Uh, before I do though, like Charlie, what what do you think about the way that we're going to do it? And you know, do you have any thoughts on that on that to start with? No, I'm I'm completely here for it. Uh, I like the way we're gonna tackle this at first, because uh, yeah, there's just uh, clearly from what you told me preliminary, um, it's just th- th- when when there's smoke, there's fire. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's kind of, that's kind of, that's kind of the the way I've always seen <clears throat> always seen Bad Boy. Um, every time I remember, like a uh, what was it a couple of years ago. Uh, they did like a you know twenty fifth anniversary celebration, and uh, soon after Mace like just mm. out of, out of the blue just spoke up, um, and it was just yeah it's just it's such a it's such a I don't know like an open secret in some way um, that people just choose not to talk about extensively or just constantly berate Diddy about. Um, so yeah, I just find, I find the artist's angle on it very interesting and, uh, I want to know more about it. So, uh, you know, uh, we're all learning here. So it's, uh, yeah, man, I'm here for it. Let's get it. Okay. Well, before I I saved Mace for next week, because I think that's really like, I couldn't add Mace. This is too much. So I'm doing chronologically, but Mace is next week. But anyway, we'll start with Craig Mack. So Craig Mack was the first act signed to Bad Boy. His debut album charted number 21 and was certified gold. Now, Flavor In Your Ear blew the fuck up. It went number nine on the Hot 100, but the issue started really, really, really early. So in an interview in 1994, Diddy was sitting next to Craig Mack when he told UOMTV Raps that they were working with Mack on his second album, dropping January 95. That obviously didn't happen, and Craig Mack was visibly confused when Diddy said that. The Craig Mack documentary revealed from the very start that Craig Mack didn't want the album to sound like a puffy pop record, which I find fascinating. I think that was definitely an after-the-fact thing. You know, I think that probably Diddy had a vision for the album and Craig Mack didn't agree but because there was no puffy pop at that point. You know, this was he hadn't released an album yet. He didn't have this reputation. So it was clear that he had a vision for the way that he wanted his rap artist to sound really early. Um, and this this disagreement drove a big wedge between the two, and Craig Mack was ejected. And a lot of people say because Diddy chose Biggie to be the star, and Biggie himself was actually quite critical of Craig Mack multiple times in interviews. And interviews with people around Craig Mack said that this left him basically out in the cold. And his next album was independent, but it was distributed by Warner. And whilst he stayed around the label and appeared in a few videos, he was he was outed. He wasn't releasing music on the on the label anymore. And Eric Sermon said, Craig was not in a good place. He was going through some stuff, and that's how he got to South Carolina in the first place. He uh, he decamped to South Carolina at one point, and he was notably absent from the Bad Boy reunion tour, making the decision himself to not be part of it. But Eric Sermon said that that was health-related. So when Craig Mack passed away in 2018... DJ Scratch, you know, rest in peace to Craig Mack. That was, um, you know, there's a, there's a few people who've passed away in this re- in this uh, label retrospective. And DJ Scratch claimed himself that he was the only famous person at Craig Mack's funeral. Um, 
and and Diddy was very heavily criticized at the time. But Scratch came out later and said Diddy wasn't informed about the funeral, and when he tried to help pay for it, he was rebuffed and told that he he didn't have to. So it's a tragic story. Craig Mack was only 46 when he passed away. But um, it started so early, man. Immediately they had artistic differences. Uh, and yeah, Diddy basically chose Notorious Big over Craig Mack. That's, that, that was actually Craig Mack. He felt that way too, he said in an interview. So yeah, it started early, man. Yeah, like... It's like... like you, have one, you have two dudes. Why, why just... I don't know, already at this point, like, already shooting one in the leg, like, just, just for, for whatever reason, and that's an interesting tidbit you mentioned about, uh, you know, we call it puffy pop, well, you call it puffy pop, is that, is that a term? I've actually never heard that term. No, I think I just, I think I might have coined it just then. Fucking go. Yeah. On it already. Um, yeah, I no, mean, look, man. I mean, that's, 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 yeah. I, Zyra Shad isn't wrong. Like, he knows. He, right, he yeah, sees. Right, yeah. He identifies talent. So. <laughs> oh, my God. Fucking shoehorn that shit, bro. <laughs> right into the fucking wheels, all off. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, Puffy Pop. I'm, yeah, uh, uh, let's uh, coin it. TM. Like let's it. go. Let's like go. Let's keep, let's keep that going. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know. That's very interesting how you how you mentioned that off rip that he already had the vision for it and in some ways again you know I feel like we can always give credit for someone having a vision for something uh, but at the same time you're an executive at that point and the artist isn't that isn't that isn't that kind of person I mean like, straight on the face of it is so interesting looking at pre pre ready to die bad boy because just on the pictures like j- just with the pictures remember uh uh where, where's the um uh even like with the I'm, I'm just gonna look it up right quick um but like the big mac uh bad boy uh thingy uh, uh promo uh whatever it was right even on that that iconic, you know, they're both, they're all in the, they're all in the restaurant, and it says B.I.G. Mac, Big Mac, except, you know, um, you know, Craig Mac's wearing a fucking, what looks like a hockey jersey, um, mm. you know what I mean, and then Biggie's wearing, you know, he's got the chain, black shirt, right, he's looking, he's looking pretty dapper, and same with, uh, uh, same with, uh, uh, Puff at that point, right, wearing a, just a slick white shirt, but clearly, it looks as if, just from, just from that picture, right, look at the, you know, he looks just really just like another hip hop dude. Um, you know, just wearing the wearing the you know low key sportswear kind of thing going on, right? I support the Knicks kind of thing. You know what I mean? I, and that's cool, right? That's clearly the identity Craig Mack was going for, right? And you see that in Flavoring Year. You see that in a lot uh, in a lot of the works, right? And already, already, you're giving off like. No, 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 no. We're going, we're going for a house style, and I feel like that's kind of the thing we're going to co- constantly come back to this, this house style of, uh, of, of bad boy, this bad boy house style. Mm. I mean, we we kind of mentioned it, you know, in not in this particular way, uh, but you know, with the with the locks and with that first album. I said it's a, it was a bad boy album that just happened to have the locks in it. Like production wise, it was very bad boy. It was very, it was very obviously bad boy produce and you know that's cool in some way right but uh again 
that wasn't the Loxis style and clearly wasn't Craig Mack style. So, yeah, man, that's just... That's, uh, God, this is just the first one. Fuck. Right. <laughs> Let's keep going. Fuck, you know. We got, so, so we get to Viggy How many next. we got, by the way? <laughs> we got one, two... We got a lot. We got a lot. But it's all right. We'll get through them. We'll get through them. <laughs> we, got, we got Biggie next. We got Biggie next. So, um, okay. you know, I should have gone with Biggie first because Ready to Die came out like a week before Craig Max, but Flavor and New Year came. was the very first release. So... You know, I'm, I'm sure we're all familiar with Biggie's story. If not, you can check out our retrospective. I'm just going to talk about his relationship with Diddy. So Diddy signed Notorious Big after hearing his demo while he was still at Uptown. Now, he was already, uh, sorry, he was originally signed to Uptown. Diddy left and Biggie followed him to Bad Boy. Diddy said in 2017 that he felt some sort of responsibility for Big's death. He said, and I quote, He was supposed to go to London that night and I let him talk me into not going to London and staying in L.A., that's something that really bothered me throughout my life. Sometimes you have to really go with that decision in your gut. And in my gut, it was like, you need to get on that plane. This is God's world. It's his plan. But honestly, that's one of the things I regret is not making sure that he went to London. Now, that's one incident. And I hardly think that that makes Diddy responsible for his death. You can't control that. You know, I, I don't think that that, I think that's pretty unfair if Diddy's putting that on himself. Now, Suge called Diddy out at the 95 Source Awards trying to poach bad boy artists by proclaiming, sorry, I don't know what that was. Any, This is what Suge said. Any artists out there that want to be an artist, stay a star and won't have to worry about the executive producer trying to be all in his videos on the records dancing come to death row. So Diddy was obviously becoming famous for kind of bopping in the background of videos. Now, Who Shot You came out and that was a huge call. That was a massive call. Park was shot at Quad Studios in New York on his way up to a recording session. Regardless of who was involved, right? Because Park thought that Biggie and Bad Boy set that up. There was this East Coast, West Coast thing that was already beginning to happen a little bit. There was a bit of, a bit of aggression between Suge and, and Diddy. Regardless of who was involved in the shooting, releasing Who Shot You two months later is not a good look. Now, Park was interviewed in January 95, and he said after he was shot... He went upstairs and it scared the shit out of him. This was after he was shot because he said he saw Puff and Andre Harrell just sitting around while downstairs he was being shot. Now Biggie said, Biggie said this about releasing the song. And then the story just got completely switched around. People saying I set him up and I'm the one that got him shot. They're saying my record Who Shot You is about him. That shit is crazy. That song was finished way before Tupac got shot. People was taking little pieces of the story and trying to add it to this pieces of the song and trying to add it to the story. And that shit is crazy. In 96, also in Vibe, Puff said, all shit aside, Tupac is a nice, good-hearted guy. Actually, a nice guy from New York. Puff then used the words, a lot of movie making and a lot of entertainment drama in relation to Puck. Okay, so that was a pretty clear shot. Then we get Hit Em Up, which doesn't just take aim at Big. It takes aim at Diddy. You know, Diddy's response was not timid. He says, he ain't mad at the people that shot him. He knows where they're at. He knows who shot him. If you ask him, he knows. And everybody in the street knows. And he's not stepping to them because he knows he's not going to get away with that shit. Now, Park died three months after releasing Hit Em Up. And allegations of Diddy setting the whole thing up have circled for decades. If you watch Murder Rap from 2015... You allegedly, you know, I'm saying all this allegedly because obviously Diddy has never been, you know, it's just alleged. 
you'll see allegedly see proof that Diddy set the whole thing up. D Detective Greg Carding apparently came to the conclusion that Diddy put a $1 million hit on Tupac and actually hired someone to do it. This is alleged. This is all alleged. The same show alleges that in retribution for that hit, it was Suge Knight who ordered the killing of Big, allegedly. Now, allegedly, Suge only paid $13,000 for that hit. Now, it's one of those things. We will never know the truth. And everything, as I say, it's all alleged. It's not confirmed. But those rumors have circled forever. And it's very hard to unpick everything out of that and assign any kind of blame to anyone because we just don't have the information. But tragedy and trauma and drama seems to follow Diddy around, as we'll find out. And this was a massive example of it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know if we said this in retrospective but like i i i never really that I, I just think even for someone like puff right it wasn't it's not a matter of like stoking the fire so to speak um but it didn't help you know what i mean uh even even with the um funny enough i'm i'm, I'm a, this is gonna be an odd link but like i did watch that locks video um that <laughs> that you referenced last week Classic, straight off right? the Straight yeah. after a recording, um, so and you know, Puff was being very, you know, obviously diplomatic with it, and I just wonder whether he was the same uh, when it, when this, obviously, when this uh, West Coast East Coast feud was, you know, uh, obviously boiling uh, at a boiling point. I wonder whether he was more diplomatic about it because I don't think he really, I don't think he talks about it in that fashion or actually I'll word that again. I'll word that differently. I don't think anyone's asked him about his side of things in the front, on the front that like, could you have avoided this? Mm. Um, or could you have helped? Cause you know, regardless of Puff at that point was not a slouch. Okay. Everyone knew who Puff was. If he, if he gave, if he said, let's have a meeting Let's uh, squash some shit. There is some squash shit, but I I think this is me personally. I think that he saw, um, it, he went he went down the route of any publicity is good publicity. Um, I don't think he hated who shot you. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, even even though in like the notorious film, I remember, and you know in other docs. You know, they say, oh, that wasn't on, that wasn't on purpose, right? That's, that wasn't how that was that wasn't what the song was about, right? You know, a lot of people have said that. I I I don't think Diddy hated it. I'm just gonna say I'm just gonna go down that road. Um, that's just me. Um, very accusatory, I know, but I I just I just think he comes across as a person that has a any publicity is good publicity way of thinking. So you know, not I'm not here to you know blame him for Biggie dying or anything. Far from it. Um, but it could it could I think I think uh, a lot of that stuff could have been squashed, and I think we've said that. Uh, I mean, if I haven't said it, I'm sure many people have said it over the fucking nearly nearly shit, it's nearly thirty years now, isn't it? Fuck, yeah, over the nearly thirty years of uh, of it, uh, you know, being a consistent uh, story in the history of hip hop. But yeah, um, yeah, uh, that's just on on the face. That's how I see it as on Diddy's side of it anyway, and on and on the side of Bad Boy as a label. All I'll say is it's a massive leap from courting a bit of drama and, you know, wanting a bit of publicity to ordering a hit. It's the biggest, it's such a leap. So, you know, without proof, I, you know, you know, but 
you guys at yep. listening can make up your own minds. I'll jump into the next two. We'll do total and uh, 112 together. So total are Keisha Epps, Kima Dyson, and Pamela Long, an R&B trio that released just two albums, but they scaled heights. Can't You See in 95 with uh, Biggie went number 13, Kissing You went number 12, Trippin' with Missy, number 7. Uh, as guests, they have a number 3 with LL on Loungin', a number 6 with What You Want with Mace. Here's what they said before their comeback in 2014. I always tell people that I think we gave Puffy, Puffy such a hard time that he was tarnished after us. Everybody asks us that question about making the band contestants walking to juniors. I'm like, why didn't they catch a cab? We would have been looking at Puffy like you done bumped your head. It's not going down. It's not that much of a contract in the world. I assume as there's some incident on making the band where Diddy made them walk somewhere instead of getting a cab. Um, I can't find a lot about their... Uh, about their about what they were um you know what what they said about diddy too much pamela said when asked why total is so unique he said uh, sh- sorry she said pamela said those other girls didn't have puff uh big up to the others but they didn't have puff that dude helped set it up he knew the streets and he knew what the streets wanted for the females and the males puff knew the sound that he wanted it was fun but it was also constant work after the fir- after their first album puff actually handed them off to missy now missy said Missy Elliott, I was in the studio for like 22 hours at a time, squirting visine in my eyes, trying to create the best material possible for the project. But it was a mess because Puffy just came into the studio telling me how whack I was and that I didn't know anything about music. Later, we battled over the phone and I just had to hang up on him. Me and the girls loved the sound and we knew it was only a matter of time before he loved it too. Now, did he calling Missy whack? So Pamela said Puff wasn't feeling a lot of what Missy was doing but we wanted that sound. Puffy didn't think it would hit, but then that thing crunked up and the radio got hold of it and when it hit, it hit. Now they just broke up because they said they got tired of the fame and intrusiveness. They decided to disband and there was no more than that. They were on the Bad Boy reunion tour and they don't speak down on Puff. So uh, total nothing nothing negative to say about Diddy. Uh, 112. Now if you Google 112 and Diddy, you'll find a fader article that states Diddy abandoned 112 in an Atlanta blizzard. That's the first result I found. Now let's let's listen in to what they had to say. One night we had been in the studio from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Darren and myself had to go back to the apartment because we were still in high school. We had to go up and go to class. That day was a huge snowstorm. More than four kids from Atlanta had ever seen. As we're leaving, Puff is leaving too in a Benz with chains on the tires and everything. He rolls down the window and is just like, I'll holler at y'all. And he drives off. And we're like, motherfucker, how do we get home? So another MTV article uh, had the headline, 112 alleged mistreatment at Bad Boy. Diddy says label did everything it was supposed to do. So what, what happened? <laughs> uh, so what basically happened is in 2002, Bad Boy was transitioning. You know, it was around the same time Faith Evans left the label. And 112 expressed the same desire to leave. Diddy disagreed. And he stated bluntly, they're on Bad Boy, we're going to have to talk about it further. MTV then says the next time they talk about it, it will be in a court of law. So that's Diddy in the, with to MTV. Um, oh no, that was actually MTV in the article. My apologies. They say next time they talk about it, it will be in a court of law. Now Darren said, we were a priority at certain times, but when you're dealing with a label where the CEO is trying to be an artist also... It just leaves the question mark to where the focus is. Mm. If you put yourself in a situation where you have your own label and one day you decide to be an artist yourself, where would you spend your marketing and promotion dollars? 
It has been frustrating over the years trying to deal with that. Then Mike said something very salient. We were 16 years old when we signed those contracts. We were naive. We're not blaming anybody for what we did, but the way it was presented to us was like we were a family. It was all about love. Being adults now and being more mature and knowing the business now, we never would have signed. <laughs> but at the time, we were hungry. We were desperate. We needed whatever we could get to get out there to sing to the world. And Darren says, that's why the family thing was such a contradiction. If you're such a family, you would have just taken care of us regardless of the structure of the contract. If I'm a man and I'm worth over $100 million and I've got this group and they sign an agreement that's structured in a way that they can't make money, me personally, if I was the head of the bad boy family, I would have family, remember, I would have said, okay, <laughs> let me break these guys off a little something. Now, Diddy's retort, it's a shame when you work with a group for like eight years you put out three hit albums and a bunch of hit videos, a bunch of hit singles. We ain't taking none of their money. We ain't never got paid them them. We ain't never not paid them their money. We ain't never not got them on MTV, on BET. We ain't never not had them all over the radio. We ain't never not had them on tour. We did what we were supposed to do as a record company. Then you got somebody like Def Jam trying to scream, the grass is greener on this side. You can't make me look like a bad guy. Everyone knows 112's name. You dance to their records. The guys ain't walking around broken, struggling, and we've done our thing as a label, and we stand by that. They never returned to Bad Boy. They signed a Def Jam. What can I say? There's a there's a I was watch I was listening to a audiobook recently, um, uh, just about like gangs, right? Shout out to Michael Caine who hosted it. Boss, boss, fucking audiobook, um, audiobook series anyway. Uh, and there was a couple of episodes, one on uh, the Mafia, and specifically John Goy. And the next episode was uh, called A Murder, and basically talking about the origins of the Mafia, and going back to Sicily, etc, etc. And, you know, for all the, obviously, you know, criminal shit that, you know, the Mafia has done over the centuries, technically... Um, you know, that family side of things that they really, they, they take that shit so seriously is kind of respectable, right? So I see, I, I whenever you're talking about that, and also obviously it just reminds me of the Fast and Furious memes that have been coming about, um, but I'll, I'll stick with the more serious one. Um, you know, when you when you give off that vibe of your family and uh, how, how old were they at the beginning, did you say? Well, high school, teens. Yeah, exactly. Stop right there. So, bro, like the, I was uh, uh, as a personal anecdote. Um, I was writing, uh, I was writing articles, uh, three to five a day. You know, just the general, you know, just article churning that you know a lot of websites do. Um, and you know, I was promised. Uh, I was promised a lot of things at that point, right? And I was sixteen. I, w I was. There, I was there from like sixteen to nineteen, right? I was promised. To, I was promised a lot of things, and I got practically none of it. So I left at nineteen, just like you know, while I while I learned a lot of things, right? And I was better off for it for the whole experience. Um, I still didn't get what I was kind of owed, right? Um, and it is what it is, right? You live and you learn, kind of thing. This is the exact, not the exact same thing, but you know, I mean, it's, it's, this is the, this is this is it. This is what pisses me off a lot of the time, as it pertains to just like professional anything. If you're giving off, if you're gonna give off that family vibe, right? Do it properly, 
and, and just the, just how all of that just came across was just like you know obviously we can say with hindsight duh music business uh right <laughs> dumbass <laughs> you know right but you know everyone trips everyone trips up and and you and you i think i feel like a lot of people believe it's going to be different for them um even though you have like you know count decades of testimonials from like going back to you know the 50s or whenever you know music labels were becoming a thing right you know, there's it's plenty of testimonials that can that people go for. And even to this day, we've talked about, you know, several uh, several artists getting fucked over. In today, when all of the information is so ready and available, but people still, I guess in some way, maybe it's naivete, maybe it's you believe you're special, I don't know. But it always happens. And that's just another, that, hey man, that's just another one to, to chalk up to the, put up to the chalkboard right um you know we could we're going to spend a lot of these series a minute a lot of this mini series uh shitting on diddy guarantee you that but fuck me man it's just this is just one of those times where i just look in and i'm just like i mean you can you can again hindsight you give off that you 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 believe that family vibe and you know that's fine but yeah, and somebody somebody's got to tell you something different at some point that you know it's still a music business, and uh, if if they're gonna if 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 the bad boy as a label is gonna uh, choose between the family dynamic, quote unquote, or uh, whatever decision is made, then they're gonna go. They're gonna uh, that might that might may or may not fuck you up, uh, or you may or may not disagree with. Uh, they're gonna go with that <laughs> ten times out of ten guaranteed so yeah man. Uh, it's it's one of those uh i guess uh cautionary tales right um but yeah just, uh, just mm, that whole dynamic that people give off piss pisses me off be- on no end because they never ever take it seriously and it just fucking jars me every time i hear it see this the reason why i think this episode is important and it's it was it was right there in that exact thing um you know 112 was saying that they weren't getting paid. They were not getting paid. Diddy was saying, <laughs> "You're famous." Oh. You know what I mean. So that's the oh. di- that's this that oh. right there. That right there is the mate. And the problem is right. Diddy left. Diddy left Uptown and created Bad Boy. He didn't leave Uptown and create Universal. He didn't leave Uptown and create Warner. You know, there's a difference between Def Jam <sighs> and Universal. And that's why Def Jam got dragged in the early 2000s because they started heading in that major label direction and away from that uh-huh. hip-hop label direction and uh-huh. that way from the artist-led. And Diddy's, Diddy's an artist. And that's why it's very jarring. You'll hear these kind of um, you know, criticisms of major labels from many, many artists. But Bad Boy didn't have to be a major label. It didn't have to be like that. And you know, we continue. We continue. Lox. Can now. I can I say one more thing? Can yes, more absolutely. Thing? Uh, just in, just in response to what you just said, uh, the, the, your famous bit. You know, you know that vibe. That, you know that that gives off. Uh, that just gives gives off big. Uh, uh, <laughs> you ain't getting paid, but you get experience vibes. Yes. <laughs> internship vibes. <laughs> big internship vibes. <laughs> Oh fuck me! All right, LOX cost. <laughs> All right, so we'll do uh, we'll do the next two. We'll do LOX and, and Black Rob. Now we dove deep into the LOX story last week. Uh, the super short version is 
They left the label. Go listen because it's fascinating last week and we don't have the time to go back yeah, over it today. Episode. But yeah. um, the super short version, they left the label after their debut record because they were unhappy with Diddy's sound. Diddy retained 50% of their publishing, which he eventually gave up after LOX confronted him on radio in 2004. Epic, 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 epic. Um, and then, you know, eventually, but it's another aren't very disgruntled, very probably the most disgruntled LOX. They wanted to throw a fridge at Diddy. Styles P threw a chair at him, so very disgruntled. Then we get to Black Rob. Now, we've covered all of Bad Boy's releases for the 90s, which is undoubtedly its pinnacle. Now we move into the 2000s, and this is some interesting stuff. So Black Rob was around Bad Boy in 96, and it was only a matter of time before he dropped his debut on the label. Now, once again, if you Google Black Rob and Diddy, you'll immediately see Black Rob calls out Diddy and former label. Bad Boy left me for dead. Bad man, not not great. So 2011, this story blokes and broke, and this is uh, this is uh, Black Rob's words. Once I caught my bid, or whatever ca- the case may be, Bad Boy Records was like, "Fuck you, we're going to use Black Rob as a springboard for this notorious big project," which flip flopped, by the way. And he is referring to the Biggie Duets. So he's referring to the Biggie, the Biggie Duets. duets. <laughs> and Black Rob <laughs> continues, but it wasn't Biggie's fault, obviously. You know, it can't be Biggie's fault. Uh, it was just a point where they said, fuck the Black Rob report, bad boy left me for dead. It wasn't like I needed money or anything from anybody. I had money. I still got money. It wasn't a money thing. They did nothing to keep my name alive. They took me off their website. They just left me for dead. Now, he tragically passed away in 2021, and Diddy was once again at the forefront of the conversation because after a video of Black Rob in a hospital bed, clearly struggling, and I think he, I think it was um, DMX. He was uh, sending his love and prayers to DMX. Uh, and that circulated around, and he'd been living homeless for a period of time. And when Diddy hopped onto Instagram to pay tribute, Black Rob's fans were not impressed. It was cleared up at the funeral, however, when Black Rob's family said that Diddy was always there for him, helping him with doctors and medical bills. So whilst the situation did look a certain way in 2021, it was clearly based on that testimony that Diddy was there for his former artist at the end. And that's going to be a common thing. I'm just like, you know, riffing on this. Multiple times, Diddy has circled back around late and, uh, you know, kind of atoned or, you know, whatever, you know. But it was very obvious that Black Rob was not happy in the 2000s with uh, with things, you know. Yeah. Um, that, 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 uh, the, the, the death side of it, um, I remember that commentary and that's, that's another that's another. Uh, instance that kind of uh, you know really made me think about this episode uh, for for when Black Rob died. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have much else to uh, say on that, and also the locks, obviously, as you said before. Uh, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's just, uh, I, yay, it's it's so like just the 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 GoFundMe bit, like. I don't know if it was a GoFundMe, by the way, but you know what I mean. The the funding bit, just bro, bro, come on, man. Like even even on that front, right? I would even if if I was Diddy, right? Like just that's that's p that's PR points or that's the easiest PR points. Not to sound too uh, you know um, uh, ruthless about about it, but you know, bro, that's the easiest that's the easiest layup. Just pay for the man's funeral. 
Like, it, literally having to fund for it. Like, uh, having to crowdfund it. That's just fucking sad. That is just real fucking sad. And linking that, you know, to the um, uh, to the previous one we were talking about, uh, the 112, right? Bro, just pay the fuckers, man. Just pay them. Mm. Uh, not, not even on, like... An, I, 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 I don't know if you have any, like, info on just, like, uh, you know... You probably don't have info on, like, royalties for these lot. But fuck, mm. it, it's clear it's clear there's not many um I, i'm not sure i'm not i don't know i don't know where they have their masters all that kind of stuff right on on the legal front but damn man having just a, having just people die and having them crowdfund their funeral i i they're just the yeah man that's just this that's just distasteful in every single way well, let's continue. Let's continue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's continue. So we're going to do Carl Thomas and Shine in this section. So Carl Thomas, Carl yes. Thomas gave us these wise words. Carl Thomas gave us these wise words. In my opinion, Bad Boy is the type of label that is wonderful if you want to break an artist. Now, if you want to sustain a, stu- sustain a superstar, that may not be the situation for you. Now, Carl does not have a lot of negativity to say about Diddy at all, but he says some fascinating stuff. He was on the label after Big Past, Mm. and he said he was in Can-Am Studios a lot in LA with Daz and Corrupt, and they both said not to let Suge know that he could sing. He doesn't go into detail on that, but I think you could probably piece that together for yourself. Now, Carl said it was very dangerous around that time being on Bad Boy and being in LA. He told Sway it was dangerous energy. Carl probably gives us the biggest clues to the ending of this podcast. He said Bad Boy Street Team was ruthless and the whole goal for the Bad Boy Street Team was to get that first look to couple that, uh, you know, to, to create that that um, that um market for new artists. And yeah. as he said, he you know, Bad Boy knew how to break an artist but not keep an artist. And it was pretty clear that Diddy was a master at marketing new artists but maybe not great with legacy acts. Now we're going to get into Shine. So... This is a big story, you know, this is a huge thing and I won't do it full justice. Uh, I'm not going to talk forever, but I'll try and give the abridged version. Poor old Shine, man. So this past week, it's been reported that Diddy helped Shine get a visa to re-enter the US. He was deported to Belize in 2009 and he's not been back since. And it was all about the shooting. So December 27, 1999, Shine, Diddy, and J-Lo decided to head out to a club. And Diddy and another man bumped into each other and began an altercation, during which time the other man allegedly pulled out a gun and threatened both Diddy and J-Lo. Shine returned fire and an all-out gun battle ensued. Now, Shine was arrested and charged with three counts of attempted murder, among other things. Diddy was also arrested and faced a weapon charge, uh, a bribery charge too. Uh, because I think he, uh, they, they were alleging that he tried to bribe his bodyguard or his driver to take the take the fall for the weapon that he had. Uh, so Diddy enlisted a legendary legal team, which included Johnny Cochran, uh, who was part of OJ's legal team, and Benjamin Braffman, who worked with incredibly high-profile clients. Now, Diddy was found not guilty on all charges. Shine was found guilty on five charges. No one else in Diddy's entourage copped any guilty verdicts. Now, Shine was acquitted of the attempted murder charges, but he picked up three assault charges, reckless endangerment, and criminal possession of a weapon. Now, here are some words from Shine. This is Shine speaking. Scar was the instigator. I know Scar from Brooklyn. Those are my guys. I didn't have a problem with him. That wasn't my beef. That was Puff's issue. 
They had a problem with Puff for whatever reason. Scar, Nino, and the entire Brooklyn crowd was in Club New York. I seen them. It was all love, but when they started arguing with Puff, I know what these Brooklyn guys are capable of. I know what Scar is capable of. I know what Nino is capable of. I know what happens once these arguments start. Once they start, it becomes a problem, a serious problem. Once he starts talking crazy, yeah, I became afraid for my life. Once he says it's about to happen, then it's about to happen. I seen somebody reach for a gun, and I reached for my weapon, and I defended my friends and myself. Because once he starts firing, once whoever else pulls out a gun and starts firing, it doesn't stop there. I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by 6. I think for Puff, he's a corporation, and he's thinking about the corporation. So obviously something like that affects the corporation terribly. At the time, I was thinking life or death. We didn't have an opportunity for him to say, thank you for saving my life, saving Jennifer's life, for saving all our lives, because he was thinking about the corporation. Did I jump the gun? Absolutely not. Puff apologized. He did apologize to me for, for that when we met in Paris. He did say that we could have handled it better, but he was under a lot of pressure from the lawyers to throw me under the bus. That's exactly what Benjamin Braffman, Johnny Cochran, and the entire Dream Team, that was their position. This is still Shine's words, by the way. That was their position. Because Puff is a corporation. He's half a billion dollar corporation, so nobody's going to sacrifice a corporation for anyone else. That was all told to Fat Joe on the podcast. Now, Nas rapped in 2002. I don't like the way Diddy did Shine with different lawyers. Now, here's Shine in 2001, long time prior, speaking to the Village Voice. He proved, this is Shine's words again, you know, he proved he was just there to save himself. There are no boundaries to what he would do to exonerate himself. I had the Bible in front of me and I was just praying that he wouldn't continue to lie. Now Shine accused Diddy's team of coercing witnesses to lie for Diddy, although everyone on Diddy's side denies this vehemently. Shine says, don't let her testify against me. That's when I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't even look at him anymore. In response, Diddy said these claims were absolutely ridiculous and his lawyer said, and I quote, none of the witnesses lied in any way about anything. Now, Cheyenne said he had to use his own record advance to pay for his defense. He told Village Voice that Diddy did nothing to help him after the shooting and treated the two cases entirely separately. And these words from Cheyenne, these stung. He says, I was in a state of denial because I am such a loyal person. I could understand if I was just another guy, but I am somebody you groomed, somebody you showed the ropes to, and to just leave me hanging there, nobody speaking up for me. Um, so look, I've read the story at length numerous times. Heard pl- This is me speaking now. Heard plenty of different stories and angles. We're going to have to make up our own minds on this one because I don't have enough information. You know, I'm just presenting what Shine and, and Diddy have said. Now, the court heard that three victims were shot, Nine witnesses said they they saw Shine with a gun. Two of the shooting victims said they also saw Diddy with a gun, which he denied. J-Lo said that she never saw Diddy with a gun. Whilst whilst in jail, Shine left Bad Boy, signed to Def Jam. And just weeks ago, Diddy interviewed Shine on Revolt, and the love between the two felt real and warm. You know, it's clear that that incident for them is in the past, Mm but... (sighs) What do you... What do you what do you say to that, man? This is a lot there. Yeah. Um, um the, the, the the I think the recent events uh kind of makes me um think more lightly on the whole issue 
and uh, you know you could really get in. I I I I think it's really easy here to get into like some just conspiracy theory shit, mm-hmm. um, and just yeah, and just like uh, oh yeah, but yeah, but think about this. It's like no, I'm not. Yeah. I, I, I don't have the energy to be honest to even think about it like that. But with the recent events of uh, how it looks as if you know there's uh just a i guess either a, I, some form of mutual understanding right and everyone's cool then cool right um until shine says otherwise uh you know i i don't really have cause for concern like if you told me that first bit uh, about the lawyers and stuff like that then yeah and obviously nas comes in with the uh, with that as well then maybe yeah sure right but at this point, you see in the recent events, as you were talking mm-hmm. about that revolt interview, hey man, if it's cool, it's cool. Um, but in the bigger picture, uh, completely zooming out for what we're doing here, it's it's just a it's just a bump in the road. <laughs> it's just a bump in the road to tell uh, the in, in the in the in the trip from A to Z, uh, from the trip from A to B. Uh, that has me saying that Diddy ain't shit. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, if it, until Shine says otherwise, I'll take it as face value. If he's cool with, uh, if he's cool with uh, Diddy, you feel like he hasn't been, um, or, or uh, either he's uh, completely accepted uh, the situation, or thinks that Diddy has made amends in some fashion. Either way. Uh, is what it is. I can only go off what Shine thinks. If he doesn't feel hard done by, then he doesn't feel hard done by. Then I'm not gonna feel hard done by yep. for him. You know what I mean? Yep. So that's the only fair. that's the only way I can, that's the only road I can go down. But uh, yeah, on it's 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 a bump in the road, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so we get to Dream and G Dep, the last two of uh, this week. There's not much out there about Dream. Uh, they dropped one album on Bad Boy. It was all a dream. And they had a second album called Reality, which came out on Universal. But that came out after they had disbanded, and it's quite rare to find a physical copy. The only thing I can find on them post-breakup is an interview with Blake Arnstein via MTV, in which he said, Did he try to push a sexier and more mature image on the group? And that signaled their end. She said, There was this push for us to be more sexual and this emphasis on being skinny. We always had this mentality that we were real. We were really friends and really in love with music and having a good time. Suddenly that was not the game. It was how much weight can you lose and how sexual can you be. That's basically, that's all I have on Dream. I couldn't find much else uh, and that's why they left. And G-Dep, you know, I want to do a full retrospective on G-Dep one day. Uh, His story is incredibly fascinating. He signed to a five album deal in 1998. And he dropped his debut album, Child of the Ghetto, in 2001. It did very poorly commercially, uh, and he found himself dropped from the label, and he said partly due to his drug addiction. Uh, He's currently serving a minimum 15-year sentence for a murder from 1993. And that's a very long story, the whole... I remember reading, uh, I think it was Double XL. He did a... They did a cover story with him. It might have been uh, Source, but I'm pretty sure it was Double XL. It was the first I'd ever heard of GDEP, and the, the story was just... You know, it was he he told it so well, and it was sad. It was really sad. Um, but yeah, he he was uh, he had problems with substance abuse, and PCP was his uh, his main one. 
and yeah he he was dropped from the label and let out of his five album contract and that's it we never got anything more from him so that's all i want to do this week but okay it's wild man yeah it's wild yeah 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 um yeah, can't shit on duty on that one. <laughs> no, just, no. Just a, but, it, but listen, <laughs> as this is the unfortunate. Uh, the one you know, thought just I a, had, just the yeah. one thought I had on that was when I was reading the Fader article uh, with with Zay and Zyra Shad and yeah, yeah. Top yeah. Top was and Punch. They were all there for Zay. Musa was there. They were all there for Zay when he was really not in a great place at all. Oh, he was out of he was he was out of control. Okay, he okay. and he admits it. That's the article. You know, yeah. and artists yeah, are like right. this, man. Artists oh. are like this. Okay, they go through shit. They go through addiction. They, like, I don't understand. This is the whole point. This is the whole point of that. That that you know that, that the story that's emerged for me is mm-hmm. Bad Boy was a major. La- it was just a major label. It wasn't a hip hop label. It wasn't an R and B label. It wasn't an artist led label. Like you listen to stories about Rockefeller, for example. You know, and all the shit that happened at the end, sure. But Jay-Z was there. He went to Beanie Siegel. He went to court with Beanie Siegel. He paid for it, helped pay for his lawyers. You know, he bought his mm. his artist stuff. He shared the wealth around. You don't hear Jay-Z's former artists shitting on him. The only ones you hear are like Jazz-O and Dame. Dame wasn't an artist. He was in business with Jay. I don't hear the same for, for TDE. I don't hear... I hear a little bit of criticism about release dates. But I don't hear anyone dragging them for that. I don't hear anything about Master P in that sense. I do hear it from Cash Money, you know, and that's another thing. Yeah. That's, another, that's a whole other thing. But I don't, you know, I I just don't hear it from these. It's just like it shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't be this way. Even G Deb is a short story. He was addicted to PCP. He got dropped from his label. All right, but like. If you go down the the little peep rabbit hole, and you know his family's really upset with his his major label for enabling him, and you know they they claim, and they, I think they're suing the label. Maybe that lawsuit's done now, that they enabled his drug addiction. That that's the kind of story, and I'm not I'm not saying the major label did that at all. I'm not saying that. That's just what you know that the family has said. But that's the kind of story you hear about a major label. I don't. I'm I'm not expecting to hear that about an artist-led label but that's what i'm hearing and it's just confusing to me and that's how i feel about bad boy this what that's the 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 message that i get from this first week is that diddy ran it like it was universal or warner brothers you know that whole thing with 112 about i made you famous you know i, I put you on tv screens and you know i, I went down this this is completely an aside but um i went down this rabbit hole because i was doing some work for uh Aaliyah's label and uh, one of their artists was um, Ashley Parker. I forget his. He was in. Uh, he was in one of those boy bands during the the two thousands. The same uh, label that signed like Backstreet Boys, and so they there was this huge expose. Uh, I think his name was Perlman, um, and yeah, uh, he was he was the guy who kind of orchestrated all these these uh, the, you know Backstreet Boys and these like boy bands, right? And Sync was part of this as well. And mm. he wasn't paying them. But the reason he said he wasn't paying them was because he was making them famous. And it turns out he was extorting them and rorting them. And he actually went to jail for fraud. But that's that same energy that I got. And I'm not saying Diddy's going to go to jail for fraud. Not at all. I'm not comparing the two. But it's that same energy <laughs> of like, I made you famous. 
So that's it. And it's like, that's, there's so much more to it than that, than just making someone famous. And I just, I think Diddy's now in his, in, you know, the later years, he's realizing that and he's circling back around and he's scooping a lot of these artists up and supporting them uh, financially. And it's not all about, you know, putting them on revolt or giving them a single or putting them on a reunion tour. It's more about actually supporting them as humans. But I don't get that, you know, prior to this. Yeah, I mean, going backwards, damage is done in a lot of ways for a lot of these people. Um, and again, going a little bit further back as well, like you can be someone like Shine that, you know, again, either accepted what that accepted the situation or truly forgave. Um, you can do that if you want, uh, but you can also, you know, just go down the route I would take and just go like, you know, <laughs> give me the shit or I don't care. Like, or I'm just going to keep moving. Um, but that's a great point you make actually overall, uh, you know, at the start of your point um, of, have, of how a label should support someone. Um, you know, I kind of, uh, I'm glad you said that. Um, cause I was really, I was really going to let Diddy off the hook there, didn't I? I really, I really did. Um, but yeah, <laughs> he, he, he could have, he could have, he could have, there's always something somebody could do on that front, but it, it just, now that you say, now that you, you know, framed it in the way that, uh, you know, that pe- in, that's fresh in people's minds, i.e. Isaiah and TDE, like, there's so much more again back to the family aspect of it you know tde has that family aspect in uh, in some ways in that way it seemed like it that's in that way it seemed authentic um but yeah then then you have this and it's just very like you like you keep saying this he's, he's treating it as if it's a major label thing when there's not that many levels above above him to that person like to to warrant that attitude, like they still that you you have that open you, you know he ke- he keeps giving off that you know my my door's always open office is open if you want to talk let's hop off the radio and let's talk <laughs> and no 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 let's <laughs> yeah you know, it's just uh let's he gives off that diplomatic vibe every time but again like you were talking about uh, that you've mentioned several times is uh, I want to I want this to be a major label kind of thing that's the vibe I get and but there's not there's not that many levels between you you can't be the you can't be the 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 man manager so to speak to reference to for as a sports reference you can't be like a man manager and the CEO I think anyway I get uh, maybe there's a framework where it can work but not with not with uh not when you don't have that many not when you're not a major label not when you're uh you know warner or or any of these 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 lot where you know the ceo has to practically has to do nothing and the whole thing will run like and it runs like a machine as we know but bad boy isn't a machine at that point um and i don't think it ha- has ha- has ever been a machine in that on that in that context uh, it requires drive. It is required Diddy to do all of the things he's been doing for it to still be there. And, you know, I'm sure we'll get into at some point where it is at this, at this point uh, in present day, but uh, that's probably for another time. But, it, you know, on that front, it's a bit of a failure. Um, but, you know, 
make money, money, make money, money, money. So well, that's <laughs> that's exactly the point that I was thinking in my head just then. What is the right. point of Bad Boy Records? Is it just to accumulate wealth for Diddy? Or is it to leave a legacy? Oh, shit, this is point? It to... But see, it can't be... The legacy... We're, we're, we're talking about the legacy this week. It's not good. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> I don't know what else to say, man. It's like... what? What's the point of having so much money? I don't, I don't know. Look, I, I'm a socialist anyway, so I don't fucking... <laughs> I'm not the best person asking about that shit. And <laughs> uh, on the proletariat podcast, we'll finish, yeah. we'll, we'll finish up there to head up into a lighter note if you have anything, Benny. Uh, I don't think I have anything this week. I don't. I haven't really done anything. I just kind of sit at home and do nothing. So, like, I don't, I don't know what... I don't have anything. Just what do you... Do you have anything? Just perpetual Simon and Garfunkel in your, in your head. Uh, um, no, not not much really. Uh, uh, I've just been a, you know, just the news is just all Afghanistan shit, and uh, I went to a barbecue uh with the home a couple of homies uh on Friday. That was kind of cool to do, just to link up with everybody, uh, see where everybody's at, and uh, yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, uh, just thinking about how a lot of people have either progressed or completely. Doing something completely different from what they used to be doing, like because I haven't peeped, I haven't peeped a lot of them in like nearly two years, like two summers. Um, so yeah, it was it was, it was kind of um, it was it was interesting. Uh, but your boy got the flow, your boy got the DJ going. I was I was providing the tunes as usual. Nice, nice. Uh, bang, banging that shit. I wasn't actually DJ, but you know, just you know, plug your phone in. Um, you know, I was I was doing that. Have you ever played a game called Hammerschlag? By the way. Have you ever no. heard of a game? No. So it's, um, as you can imagine, a German game um, mm. of German origin, where basically uh, you have a tree stump or just like a piece of wood um, that you can sit upright. And um, basically the game is uh, everyone has a nail and a hammer goes round and you have to hammer the nail into the, uh, into the, into the tree, into the tree stump uh, or into the lump of wood. Uh, and you have to do it in a certain way where, like, you know, you start at, like, the end of the piece of wood and then you raise your hand and obviously hammer it. So you can't just, like, you know, just... And you have to do it in one swing. And if you miss, you drink, right, and et cetera, et cetera. First one to get it smooth where, like, your finger does not rub over, uh, you know, the edge of the, the, the tip of the nail. And you've won. I won that shit in four hits, and I was like, I was on fucking Ultra Instinct mode, bro. It was crazy. I I don't even like the game that much. <laughs> I don't, like it's it's just it's just something to do while you're drinking. But, bro, I was on fire. Everyone like spent like everyone took about forty five minutes. I did my shit in like ten. Wow. <laughs> I did that shit in four hits. They were just like, oh, what the fuck? How's he doing that? Bro. I didn't even know how to do it. They were like, how'd you do it? I'm just like. Yeah, man. I just like you know, just put it, put my arm here, swing it down, boom. I uh, yeah, I was I was made it. I made it sound super simple, but everyone was like, just yeah, everyone was mad struggling. It's it's, it's it can be very hard a game, um, just like you know, trying hand eye coordination. But I don't know, man. I was just I was fucking, I was I was I was lights out, bro. I was on fire, microwave, bro. Uh, I just I could have just thrown that shit up in the air. Would have uh, would have hit the nail. Um, so you, yeah, man. Bit. I tell you one thing is I never feel more masculine than when I have either a hammer or a drill in my hand. 
that shit is a whole other energy. <laughs> Bro, honestly, not gonna lie to you, uh, we got like a sledgehammer last year. Uh, was it last year or two summers ago, whatever, to do Ooh, yeah. like to knock down a wall. Yeah, yeah, man, I feel that. Yeah, feel when, you, when you just when you just knock a wall down, uh, <laughs> you just get the technique and the, the hand slides oh, back yeah. and then yep. whoosh, bang mm-hmm. and then slide back. Same with same yeah. with an axe. I love a good axe. You know, I love a bit of I love I to chop wood. Before. I want an axe throw. I want, I want to do one of those things. Axe throwing. I've never tried that before. I'd like to try that. It's a big thing in Sydney. Apparently, it's a big first date thing. I've I haven't gone on an axe throwing really? first date yet, but uh, yeah, apparently yeah. it's a big it's a big thing. Maybe um, maybe not f- maybe not first date, but you know that'll be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it'd be up there. I mean, we it's a, it's really maybe shitty third dating. Maybe, maybe third, third, third date, third date. Same with maybe bowling. Third. I think bowling's in there. Bowling's up there. It's always a good that's a that's a good fun wholesome date. Bowling. Yeah, yeah, I like, I like, I like bowling. That's why I like bowling. Um. All right, yeah, we'll leave it there. Um, we've talked about nearly a nightmare, so we'll, we'll kill it there. I, I, we really, honestly, we could have easily just gone in a rabbit hole of just naming good shit to do on days. So let's not let's not go into that rabbit hole, yeah, that's true. Uh, which we could easily do. But anyway, uh, laser jump. We shall leave it there. Uh, from the fifth in podcast network. It's been digging digits, part one of our bad boy retrospective. Uh, part two, obviously, coming next week. I've been Charlie Taylor, the fifth in. I've been Carter for Pop Numbers. We hope you all have a good week. We shall always try and do the same. Can't stop, why we stop. And until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. Alright, peace. Digging in the Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for this show is piece of video games by bonus points. Let's do your breakers for bits to use. Socials for the fifth element here by buying numbers, bonus points, and your breakers. Be the full show notes wherever you're listening. This has been a fifth element podcast now production. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you for part two. I'll dig in in digits.